Thank you for listening to this audio recording from the pastoral team at Church of the Redeemer, an Anglican church in Greensboro, North Carolina. If you'd like to know more about Church of the Redeemer, its ministry, or its mission, then visit us online at RedeemerGSO.org. So we are really excited to celebrate today. There's a lot of reasons for us to celebrate. It's a beautiful day. I got a text from a person who grew up in Michigan who sent me this morning saying, can't we move the 8 a.m. outdoor service into the greenhouse? It's going to be 39 degrees. You're from Michigan. We're going to press on outside. There are also reasons for us not to celebrate. This has certainly been a challenging season. I recall um, the Monday of last year sitting in my office, just getting off the phone with the city attorney of Greensboro about having an in-person service and really being devastated by, we couldn't do that. We, we certainly want to play by the rules. I begged, even if we put cars out in the parking lot and we're all wearing hazmat suits and they're spraying us down, we just don't want to miss this opportunity to be reminded that the resurrection has conquered our fears and death and that we really need to celebrate and the attorney said, I'll arrest you. No, he didn't say it that way, but he was, he was strongly against it. So we had our hopefully one time ever online Easter service. So it's great to be able to gather today with you all and be reminded that Christ's power is at work in us. There are also those of you who might be just visiting today, and we're glad that you're here to be with us and to celebrate this this story of the resurrection, and there may be some of you who this is your occasional visit to church, and that's great too. Whoever you are and whatever state that you're in this morning, I pray that you would hear clearly some very specific things, that if this resurrection is true, if it's really true, it's changed everything for us. So let's pray and begin. We thank you, Lord, for the celebratory nature of today. We're dressed up. We're excited. We, we certainly want to be safe and cautious, yet at the same time, our, heart, our hearts need to celebrate and to have joy. So I pray that regardless of how we come today, you would fill us with joy, joy that supersedes all understanding, because a long time ago, the Lord Jesus walked out of a tomb. And that fact alone, that historical event, that truth of the power of God resonates in our hearts this morning. So we ask you to teach us in your word what that means to us, and that you would fill us with joy today as we celebrate with family and friends. And we pray that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look at Romans chapter 6 for the context of our sermon today. But as I've mentioned, we have walked through a season of fear and of death. And the fact that we're together means some things positively have moved that we can join together and worship in person. This week, um, I think it's going to be a total of eight services in seven days that we will host here at Church of the Redeemer. We have walked through the last week of Jesus's life, his entry into Jerusalem, his institution of the new covenant and this celebration, his washing of the feet of the disciples, and then his, his betrayal, his arrest, his crucifixion, his death and burial, 
And then today we celebrate his resurrection, the most significant historical event in human history, that after three days, Jesus Christ walked out of the tomb. So I'm not going to try to defend, is the resurrection true today? I'm going to assume that on our behalf. But in assuming it, I want to make this provocative statement. Let's just say, for argument's sake, it is true. Then what does it mean to you seated here this morning? If the resurrection is true, what does it mean to you today? seated here. Simply put, the Apostle Paul, who writes in Romans this very elegant statement, he says, for, for we know that Christ was raised from the dead. We know this, and death can no longer happen to him again. He will not die again, and death has no mastery over him. This statement alone changes everything for us. Let's consider this word mastery. In the Greek, it means to have power or influence. I have a certificate on my wall that says I have a master's degree. I consider I have very little power and influence, except in my car. It's my car, that little cabin, and I make people submit in writing any temperature changes, any radio changes in that little, that's where I have power and influence everywhere else. Somebody else has more power and influence. But let's look at these two things and see how both death and the fear of death have power and influence over us. The number one movie last year in the world on Netflix was the movie Contagion. Why? A movie released in 2011 about a global pandemic virus because The fear alone of what was happening drove people to say, what could this mean for us? Fear has the power to influence how we live. It's why I don't go skiing anymore. I know how much knee surgery costs. I don't like pain by nature. So let the young people do it, right? Have had it, knock yourself out. Hope you have good insurance. Don't get hurt. So So even fear has an influence on the way that I live my life, the decisions that I make. And fear has certainly affected us greatly this year. The second thing is that death has a power over us. And the reason it has a power over us is we know biology. Nothing alive will live forever. We know that no matter who you are or what you've done or how much you have, at some point you will be gone and there will be memories. My daughter and I went and rescued another person the other day with gasoline in their car. And after this historic event, which is really just putting gasoline in the car, Emily had us squish in and we took a selfie And she said, this is for MEMS, memories. So now we're all hip. Everybody say MEMS, MEMS. The truth of the matter is all of us will die. One day you and I will be MEMS and no one can escape that. And as hard as that is to grasp, 
the resurrection has something very profound to say to us about that truth. For it is both the fear of death and death itself that controls our thinking. Last year confronted and exposed our fear of death. I know that our belief in God, our faith, doesn't always necessarily provide the comfort we want or expect in the face of death. It's easy to talk about the fear of death and death itself from a clinical and theoretical perspective until we actually face it. Why do we need this to hear this stuff now? Because as a culture and as a world, we are PTSD survivors of a season of great fear and death. And this has affected us in drastic ways. I'd like to share a few of those with you. First of all, our social interactions have been and will be severely hampered. Do we handshake anymore or do we fist bump? Our trust in institutions experienced a great nail in the coffin this year. Whether it is government, political parties, churches, parachurch ministries, something true about us today is that there is nothing left to trust. How do we know anyone is telling us the truth anymore? Also, this move towards isolation. Some of you have already teared up this day by being together in person for a long time coming. Last week, I noticed people tearing up by the fact that they have not been in another place together with others, that isolation has done significant damage to us as a people. And everyone is fatigued. We're tired. And no one wants to talk about this, but 50 million guns were sold last year in this nation. And ammunition is empty from shelves. If you want to buy shotgun shells to shoot something, good luck finding them. Ellen Cushing from the Atlantic Magazine wrote recently that anxiety disorder, depressive disorder, or both quadrupled in 2019 without saying it, but showing it at every turn. We live in a constant state of fear. And that is why on this Sunday and every Sunday, but particularly this Sunday, we need to hear again about the resurrection. Our hope rests in a man who 2,000 years ago lived a God-filled life, was wrongly tried, convicted, and murdered by the religious leaders and power brokers of his day. And what seems so fantastic and unbelievable is that he rose from the dead. And all along, in the society of death and the fear of death, God's plan to save the world became clear in the resurrection. On the third day, we heard this morning that some ladies showed up at his grave and were told, he is not here. He is risen. And now we stand as brothers and sisters with a different eternal trajectory that doesn't wait for a future event to come, but the reality of a resurrection at work in us now right here and right now. Paul says it again, death no longer has mastery over him. Death no longer exerts 
the power of fear and death itself on Christ. Is it possible for you to live a life without the fear of death? Most of us don't or won't because death's grip of fear is so pervasive, it saturates everything that we do. That's why these three simple truths from Romans are so important for us. First, we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, that fact, he cannot die again, and that death no longer has mastery over him. Which is why we look at the Lord Jesus who was sinless, and we know in his perfect state, death alone could not touch him. And the reason we're all subject to death is that death has created, that sin has created death in us. Paul writes in another place, for the wages of our sin is death. That's the consequence of our brokenness, our sinful life. It is both a physical death, I will die one day, and a spiritual death that I am separate from God without something to intervene. Paul says in another place, the sting or the bite of death is sin. Raise your hand if you've ever been stung by a wasp. It's universal. You see wasps buzzing and everyone runs. No one wants to be stung because even though it might've been 50 years ago, which was the last time we've been stung by a wasp, we know the sting, we know the power and the pain of that event. That's what sin has done for us. It's created a death in us and a death with our relationship with God. And why is that? It is because sin is the breaking of God's law, whether it is small or big. So Jesus takes upon our He takes upon himself our sins, the wages of our sins, and he places him temporary, he places himself temporarily under the law. Now I've traveled to another country. And when I travel to another country, although I have US citizenship, I am under the authority of that other country's laws. The Lord Jesus placed himself under the authority of the law, even though he wrote the law. And he did that to take on the penalty or the price of that law on our behalf. He assumed it himself for us. And just like when we experience death, we know the power that it has over us. Yet Jesus fulfilled it completely. He bore our sins on the cross. So for that reason and that reason only, death had a temporary grip on him. Just a moment, just like temporarily death has a grip on us. The resurrection and why we celebrate it is we see the law of God having been satisfied. The resurrection boldly declares it. About a year ago, before the shutdown, I was at an airport in Atlanta and waiting for customs, and right beside me was a gentleman named Dikembe Mutombo. Perhaps you've seen him on the commercials 
slapping down the Cheerio box, my favorite move of any commercial. Like I'd so want to do that at a grocery store. Just So yes, people were waving their finger at Dikembe Mutombo, who's famous for this. He was a NBA player who blocked a lot of shots and he would always do this at people. In many ways, the resurrection is a taunting of death and it says, where, oh death, is your sting? Where is it? Yes, you may feel the effects of death and the fear of death, but it has no power ultimately if Jesus really and truly walked out of that grave. Where is your, de- where is your sting, O oh death? Where is your victory and your power? The great English poet John Donne once wrote, Death be not proud, though some have called thee. Mighty and dreadful, for thou art not so. One short sleep past, we wake eternally, and death shall be no more, and death shall die. The resurrection, if true, means that the law is satisfied. It means what I experience as the sting of death has been fully paid. And since Jesus is no longer under the power of death, and my life is clinging to Jesus, then death also has no power over me. Do you know that reality? Oh, yes, you may think and you may ascribe death all kinds of power, but ultimately death has no power over you. It is finished, he said on the cross. In every way, he finished with death, conquering it in every way imaginable, and he conquered it for us. The writer of Hebrews says that through death, Jesus destroyed him that has the power of death. Here, my friends, is the real turning point. If you are in Christ, then death has no power over you. It doesn't mean we don't fear. I fear every time I get in the car with one of my teenagers driving. Um, They're in the room. It's okay. I didn't mention them by name, so I owe them no money. I wouldn't want anything terrible to happen to my family. I know you feel the same way. None of us want the bad things of life to happen. Fear is real, and it's okay to experience fear. It's okay to have these fears. But because of the resurrection, if true, my fear in this world is tempered by a promise to come. That if the worst happens, if I only become mems, then I am safe and secure in Christ. Why is that? Because what is true of Jesus is true of you who believe. It's not a feeling, but an act of faith. That is salvation. That means I can die, and it is, the, it is only the beginning of my eternity. For that is the essence of being a follower of Christ. If you die, you win. There are moral implications, certainly, of belief. There's actions of justice and mercy that we live out. There's this 
reality of a personal relationship with God that we experience in this life, but what has made us right with God is that the very work of Jesus has finished death completely. The great theologian Jonathan Edwards once said, it is one thing to believe with certainty that honey is sweet, perhaps through the universal testimony of trusted people. Hey, this is really good. You ought to try it. But it is another to actually taste the sweetness of honey. A few moments, uh, in, the, in just a few moments, we will celebrate communion. And we will be reminded that we come to this table where death, which has no mastery over Jesus, also has no mastery over us. This past Saturday, I was playing basketball and I hurt my arm and uh, I started to experience this chest pain over the weekend. And on Monday night, I went to sleep around 1030 or so. And I, you could march a band through my room once I fall asleep. I never wake up. And I woke up about an hour later, and I, I had this massive pain in my left arm. I'm 51. I'm smart enough to know that's not good. So I went to the ER, had an EKG, had a blood test, passed out. From, I, every time I give blood, I pass out. And I'm sitting there in this room with people watching and examining me, thinking, this is not good. Yet the EKG came back fine, blood test came back fine, false alarm, so to speak. But I have this sermon in my head while I'm sitting in there. This could be bad. I'm fearful, and yet I know death no longer has mastery over us. I'm immensely convinced that in Jesus' resurrection, death is defeated as well as even the fear of death. And that same death in me will also be defeated. The resurrection of Jesus has become the central reality by which we in Christ should view everything. The obstacles of this world, suffering, failure, chaos, tragedy, pandemic, love. The apostle Paul says it this way, and I'll conclude with this. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 26, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And with the end of death in the death of Jesus comes the end of fear of death and the end of the power of death itself. Death has been defeated. And so we celebrate. Because if this is true, and I believe it is, then we can face both the fear of death and death itself and say boldly, not in my house, not here, not with me. Amen.